0: Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Welcome
1: to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series where I engage in interesting conversations some of the country's greatest pizza makers, and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. I'm with Andres Logton, who's the creator and inventor of the Pizza steel and all of the Pizza steel spin-offs that have happened ever since, we'll catch up with in a few minutes. We're on Pizza Talk, and um, Andres, I was wondering if uh, if you could help uh, those people who don't already know who you are, did see the interview, uh, and if you didn't see it, you can go back and search on Pizza Quest uh, under Andres' name. You can find that interview. But uh, maybe you could bring us up to date a little bit. Just tell us the story of the creation of the steel, because I know yeah. you started out uh, basically in the fabrication business with your family, right? Stoughton, is it Stoughton, Massachusetts? Is that where it's happening? Stoughton All right, so, yeah. so tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit of that, and then we'll get into some some That's more nitty gritty stuff.
2: Love you. Thank you for having me too, Peter. This is amazing, always, always amazing to run into you. Um, and I want to give a quick backstory hey, see you again. of how I had met when I first started. And this is like 2012 and 13. Um, you called my office totally random. <laughs> and I talked to my dad and my dad, I had just left. My dad had called and said, Hey, and my dad's clueless to, you know, anything in the food world. He's like, Hey, this guy named Peter Reinhardt just called you. Um, you want to call him back. I'm like, Dad, do you know who that is? It's like the legend. This is the guy. I, mean, this is, was, I still remember that day vividly, Peter. It was incredible. Every <laughs> time I see you, I'm just like, I light it up because I've read all of your books. I'm a huge fan, um, which will give me a, a good segue into um, the baking steel. So I, I was in the culinary world in my young adult life. I, in high school, I worked at you know, flipping pancakes, kind of got the bug working at yeah. a um, and then I worked in restaurants and studied culinary arts and, um, yeah, you worked with Todd English, didn't
1: you? Did. One of the great American chefs.
2: Yeah. Amazing. So that was my last, my last professional, um, like gig in a, in a restaurant was with Todd English. And I originally was hired at figs slinging pizzas. And yeah. I, you know, here I am this culinary guy and thinking like, I'm way too cool for pizza, but but I'll take it. You know, it's like, yeah. I absolutely fell in love with pizza more than, you know, as a kid, and the passion that Todd had about his dough and his toppings and the creations of pizza, it just made me fall in love with what pizza is all about. Um, so I took a deeper dive into that passion. Uh, at and things the,
1: were you doing wood-fire pizzas at Figs? Uh yeah, we were gas,
2: wood-fired with gas, yes. We yeah, ran about- uh,
1: It was like in a brick oven.
2: Yeah, a brick oven, totally, yep. I remember, I remember going into Figs back in the
1: early aughts, like around 2002 or three, when I was oh, living in New yeah. England, and um, and so I had a pizza there, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know, of course, you. I don't know if you were there that day or what, but yeah, uh, Figs was, was, was uh, very innovative. It was it was a trend-setting place for, for creative toppings on pizzas.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's what he did. He, he had his canvas, which was the dough, and he used a lot of water in his dough to make it like crispier, airy, crispy dough, and um, I, in fact, it's funny cause I, I, I left the restaurant world and it's got burned out just because of different things, but I, just, I needed a break, but I took all of Todd's recipes <laughs> for sure. Right. And I would recreate yeah. them at home. I had a pizza stone. I would break them. And I was just kind of like, ho hum, like these are good. I'd make them for friends, but they weren't like super exciting. Um, I always just thought in the back of my brain, that you needed a wood-fired oven to really make it legendary at home. Um, so whatever. So I just kind of went along, my, did my thing. And then, so I've been working in steel. My other, my dad's an entrepreneur. Um, so I've been, you know, obviously his son, been beside him his my whole life. And I remember going into the shops. So he would be working with metal. He was really good with his hands, like a street engineer from Latvia, you know. and he, um. I've always was, your dad, was your dad uh, had he come over from Latvia or was he? he did he, when he was really young, when he was like five, his parents came, and he was so yeah, he, was, he, came so he was like a
1: first generation immigrant to America.
2: Who, exactly right. Yep, first generation immigrant, and he um had his own business, and so I grew up since the time I was ten, you know, sweeping the floors. I learned how to weld at a young age, and just learned the kind of the. I loved it, right? The vibe of working with steel and working with your hands and making products. He had a really cool customer base. And anyway, I left there when I was 20, never thought I'd be going back there again. But there I was after my restaurant kind of gigs got tired. I went back to work with my dad. And he, my brother was there, 30 other guys. I had some life experience now. And I thought, geez, you know, my dad's got a cool thing going on here. He's got a nice product. He's got a really great customer base. Um, I've got some world experience now. Maybe I can help him. The one thing I liked about steel versus prodigal son returns. Yeah, it's not going to go bad, (laughs) right? Steel doesn't go bad, unlike you know. That's true. It's a durable durable product. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very durable versus what's going on today in the restaurant world. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. And sad to see what's going on in our state of restaurants. Um, yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. yeah, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. But uh, anyway, it, it got me to thinking that um, I loved—I just loved working with my hands as well. And then, so I've been doing that with my dad. Not—I was more on the management side my second time around, helping us grow his business. But I'm a foodie, right? And I read. The Wall Street Journal, an article on a Friday night. This is back in February of 2011. At the end of the day, just kind of hanging out, I read about the launch of the Modernist Cuisine books. And Nathan Mm old. as you know, I know you've Mm -hmm. had a lot of time with them. A a real culinary culinary genius, but a a real genius on top of culinary, right? right? Amazing.
1: And all all the lights start going off now, right? I'm like, so I'm just reading about the I just thought, just to interject here, you know, one of the things I find interesting with a lot of the people that we've talked to on Pizza Talk, it's interesting how uh, many of us have two or even three different career tracks or paths that we have followed that somehow converge uh, Mm -hmm. and often through, you know, at the realm of pizza, but they come together. And in this case, it seems like, you know, you had these two different sort of avenues that uh, were working and then all of a sudden you needed something to kind of like, Diffuse fuse them together, and to and to that, that burst of light, you know, to make it all aha, exactly, uh-huh.
2: exactly right. It was an aha moment. I read the article, and he mentioned pizza and steel, and I would I probably did this to my if you guys the viewers are listening, but
1: I did like a facepalm. Oh, they're they're seeing you. They're seeing you.
2: <laughs> and yeah. I was I literally went out to my plant and I grabbed a piece of steel that I used for a caterpillar component. I didn't clean it up, I just brought it home. And my <laughs> wife said, what are you doing with that steel? I said, I'm gonna make a pizza this weekend. And I did, and you know, it was one of those moments where I made dough that weekend and I'll never forget it. I made a pizza in about six, I didn't really time it because it wasn't a big, that wasn't a big concern, but I, I, yeah. it was like six or seven minutes. And we struggle, home pizza makers. I had a crispy crust in seven minutes, and I was mind blown. And so I went back to my office on Monday, and I told my brother and my father, I've got this new idea for a product. And they basically, and we were, this is 2011, the economy's just starting to come back from where it was. We make Caterpillar components, John Deere components. Yeah. We're a shop. How in the hell are we gonna do a kitchen product? Um, so I, right, I right. I agreed with them. I shelved this thing. As great as an idea this was, I didn't have belief in myself or my business to produce it. So there it was, and I let it go. Um, But the
1: seed was planted.
2: The (laughs) seed was planted. And I don't know about you, but we all, and I know you've had a a million ideas too, and some of them just will not go away. You need to jump down that rabbit hole with those ideas and really try to learn and figure out what it was. And so- There it is. It was like, you know, I came out with on Kickstarter literally a year and a half after reading the idea. A lot of stuff happened. Um, Fear, being afraid of, you know, trying something new and all these different elements. But I did it. I took a chance. I took a leap. Um, Thank God. Thank goodness that I I had the faith in myself to do that. Um, Super lucky and super grateful every day still. But because I went out And did something I'm passionate about, like the universe kind of came back and spoke to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what you're supposed to be doing. This,
1: yeah, it's interesting because that moment when you're at the edge of the cliff and you have to decide whether you're going to take the leap or not, you know, that's a moment of truth for so many entrepreneurs. And I'm sure that if everyone shared their their experiences, probably have a commonality of that fear and you know wondering is this the time you know or what happens if, it, if I don't make it to the other side of the cliff or et cetera? Et cetera. but you have to take the leap or else it's
2: not going to happen. So true and you need to get to the other side and whatever it might take to get there but you've got a strong belief in yourself and don't listen to anybody else just, just mm-hmm. do it obviously you need feedback. But well, let me ask you something at this point hey I- read through now the
1: modernist cuisine series Have you you got kind of got pulled into that whole food science uh nexus so to speak that nathan mirvold and his team created you were you now were immersed in that and and modernist uh molecular gastronomy all that was exploding around the country so that that kind of that played a big part
2: in you making that leap oh big time just seeing what they did and then um it was more of like a, um, yeah, and that was incredible what they did. And, and still, I still go through those books. And they, obviously, the bread version, which is, I know you had your hand in that one as well. I, I was involved to, to, to an extent, and, and now I'm very excited to know that things full
1: circle that the modernist cuisine people did modernist, but now they're doing modernist pizza, which should be coming out, you know, sometime either this year or next year. Yeah. So, you know, it all comes back to pizza in the end, right?
2: <laughs> it all comes back to pizza. And, you know, and one thing about our story and what I love about pizza um, is it's 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 for sharing it's like making pizza with friends and family is to me like the ultimate evening or afternoon together with people and it's always been about that for us it's just like building that community that's why I love I love throwing pizza parties Mm. because it's not we we don't all sit down together we all kind of stand up and hang out and converse and have conversations and it's about the food sometimes it's about yeah. the story of the food um, so it just lends itself it's a beautiful evening with um, of course but, but let me just take a step back uh, uh, for one second because
1: you had gotten you know, the sort of uh, the modernist books kind of sparked something in you was there something in there that made the connection for you with the steel was there something about the science aspect that that brought out and can you explain how that kind of all came yeah. together for you.
2: That's great because yeah, it was steel because he had told, he had said it in his article to Google your local steel shop and cut out steel for your shelf. Well, it was in that moment that I said, Holy smokes. Like we knew from science and middle school that, you know, steel conducts energy really well. Like you can touch the end of a fork that's hot and it'll eventually spread out and burn your hand. Right? Well, that's what's happening with, with steel and pizza. Well, steel stores 20 times the energy of stone. So, what we can do at 500 degrees in a home oven is equal to what stone can do at eight or 900 degrees. So, it's the mesh of perfect, it's the perfect storm. It's steel in a home oven. Right. Boom, like there you go. It's like now you can he's make saying, so, He's saying in the book, Go out and get yourself
1: a piece of steel, and you're going. Wait a minute! I can make this damn thing. <laughs> you know? totally he's
2: speaking true. to me. He's talking yeah, to me. He's speaking my language. And I, yeah. by the way, you know, my my dad's plant had a million dollars worth of the equipment that could produce this thing. I designed it in like literally like 35 seconds. Like mean, I can do this. I can do this, and I can do that. There were some obviously um, difficulties doing it, but more or less, I had everything I needed right in front of me. Yeah. To produce. Yeah. This exactly you were you were the guy in the right
1: place at the right time right except place, right. you just needed to have the courage to like turn it into a
2: business instead of just... big time big yeah. time that took a lot that took a lot and that's i i still deal with that, that but it helps because now that i've done it i, I can like go to the other side now yeah. if i'm really struggling with something I can look at the uncertainty and say, you know what, take a chance. Because as long as it's not going to harm me or do anything yeah. harmful to anybody around me, let's go do that. Let's, well,
1: the nice thing was you didn't have to necessarily invest in a steel foundry and, and uh, you know, uh, get all the equipment. You were there ready to go. So that gave you a head start, at least a springboard oh, into it.
2: You. Uh, you the business that.
1: side, of course, is a whole different story. So what, about what year was this that you actually did? Decided to go ahead and start manufacturing them and launching them when was the Kickstarter? At
2: the end of 2012. Okay we so that's almost ten years
1: the- ago, about eight years ago. Yeah um, yeah. Jeez, and then amazing. and I remember that I heard about it, someone along the line, uh, uh, I'd heard about the deal, see some people had asked me about it, I think you were doing some work, maybe you were writing with Serious Eats or doing some inter- interaction yeah. with some of the folks over there, uh, was it Kenji or some of the, the, yeah, the, 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 the great voices out of that community. Incredible. And then I had a, I've been using a, a, a pizza stone for years and I was taking it with me somewhere to do an event and it slipped out of my hand and shattered. And I remember going, I need a, I need a steel. I can't, I can't keep breaking stones, you know? And yeah. that's when I contacted your dad. Well, I contacted you and your dad answered. Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: right. I remember. It's great. It's a so great story comes together. Uh,
1: well, I know that um, uh, uh, some of the folks who are watching probably have the steel by now, or they may want to know how they can get it. And of course, we'll reference. we'll put links on the on our site so that you know. Okay, but but just uh, if they want to contact you, what's the best way for them? Uh, I That's guess. Great.
2: So our to, our site the website at, directly. Yeah, our website is bakingsteel.com. Um, hey, we have enough. our we have our own Shopify store. Um, I can. I'm Andrus at bakingsteel. So please email me any, any kind of questions that you have. You know, we have a pretty good presence on Instagram. We're out there almost every day posting ARP stuff and user stuff. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. So
1: cool. They're great photos and great, you know, postings. For, if you haven't caught up with this, I mean, now it's no longer the new kid on the block. People know about it. It's not like you, the hardest part of the job was to make it, you know, acceptable and to get it past sort of that
2: hump. Totally. Yeah, and still, we still have that. You know, we still. I mean, that's done. Now people want them. They wouldn't. Yeah. But, no, like, no one's heard of us. I mean, that's like we're we're still kind of the new kids on the block, even though we've been you know at it. But we're consistently posting about. I mean, the basic science is that it's it works. Steel works at five hundred degrees. You know, just better than stone. So when I like, first contacted you, you first sent I me. Mean, you were doing two two different. Things.
1: Are still doing them in two different thicknesses? I know one was real heavy, and you had to be totally committed to get that one. And then was one more the sort of like the, uh, okay, I just want to give it a try size, you
2: know. And, right. and even that was pretty heavy, but it was like at least manageable. Are you doing both options now? We, we still are. And, you know, the, the thicker the steel, the more mass, the more energy it stores. But, you know, truth be told, oh Peter, if you had asked me to make pizza with you, and it would be, um, it would be an incredible moment. And I could bring whatever I wanted to. I'd bring two steels with me, two quarter-inch steels. That's what I. That's my setup now. You mean um, you put them together,
1: two steels, no, one on top of each?
2: No, I put one on the top shelf and oh, one on the bottom shelf. Kind of turn it into a. In, yes,
1: and it gives uh, me the, essentially a a right.
2: Puts the broiler in play, but it also it just allows me to make multiple pizzas in succession. I got Gotcha. Got it.
1: But the quarter inch is not the thick it's not the thicker of the two,
2: is it? No, nope, it's fifteen pounds. It's our thinnest nope. one, but it needs to be at least quarter inch. So
1: uh, So for a ballpark for and for folks who are trying to get their mind around this, about what would the investment be for a home cook who wanted to get this. I know actually, by the way, a lot of professional restaurants are now using them and they're essentially upgrading their kitchen ovens to be able to bake at this level just by using your tools rather yes. than buy a whole new oven. But for those who want to just get one for their home use, what, what $90, are the uh, yeah, entry levels?
2: Yeah, $89 is the original baking steel. And, you know, the look at it, and that covers, you know, we pay for the shipping that's included in that price because of our... Really? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, not, it's not cheap to ship a big It's not steel. cheap
2: to ship it. We, we we obviously would get a better rate than most people because of the volume that we're doing. So we share that cost in all of our shipping. Um, it's it's awesome, Peter, that, that size. It's 15 pounds. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at it like... Well, I'm never going to have to order, and I shouldn't say never, but you're going to reduce the amount of times that you call up Pizza Hut or Domino's because <laughs> the quality that you can make, produce in your home, especially with the right ingredients, is yeah. well beyond what you can get yeah. in most ways. And obviously, not just for making pizzas,
1: you can use it for so many things. And, yeah. I, and I even have one of your later generation products now, the, the griddle. Are you still uh, making the griddle? And is that a yeah, great question? Rest-
2: yeah. So we learned because of modernist cuisine and and the science behind the steel that it conducts energy so well. It's not just great for pizza; it's great for you know put it on your grill and make smash burgers. I don't know if you've had a smash burger yet. They're unbelievable. Or just series.
1: I've i just had burgers. I've had burgers and steaks oh. on my stone on my steel. Yeah, yeah. but I know. So yeah, I, you know what? I have to make a smash burger because I you know I I hear the term. And I just thought it was just sort of like, just another way to say hamburger, but it is actually a specific way of doing a burger, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's a, you take a two ounce patty and you literally smash it like a pancake and on a very hot baking steel. And because the steel conducts energy well, it's every square inch of that baking steel is 450 degrees. So you're getting this patty, the Maillard effect with the, the, the proteins. Great sear. Yeah. With that. Just a uh, great flavor.
1: Well, I know that you've got, I see a, an oven behind you, and I'm guessing that you have a steel floating around there in the in your kitchen. Uh, we're going to wrap up this first segment with Andres Logsdon, the inventor and creator of the baking steel, uh, much copied, but never surpassed out there. I know that I've seen knockoffs, uh, and we'll talk more about sort of the genesis uh, and the creation of the steel, but also how to use it and uh, can you make something for us? Can you do something? You uh, know what? Uh, Give it ingredients on hand to put something together? Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure I would love to see it in action. Uh, again, I know that I'm preaching to the choir for those of you who already have one, but for those who have been curious and wondering, chance to, uh, uh, see the, the inventor actually using it. You know? It's not just Thomas Edison, you know, moving on to the next project. Uh, this is growing for you. So um, uh, thank you for being with us on Peace to Talk. Andres, thank you for giving us sort of the backstory. And in part two of our talk with and conversation with Andres, we're going to get into actually putting it into practice, and we'll see we'll talk about the future of where mm-hmm. the baking stone is going. Mm-hmm. I keep saying stone because we're so grain, but the baking steel is going awesome is, is that the term the baking steel is that the term that the, steel. what I'm it's called the baking steel yeah. baking steel yeah or exactly. just as, as those who use the steel <laughs> <laughs> stick around for more pizza quest after a word from our sponsor So, you know, while we've been uh, on a break between our first segment, uh, uh, you've been setting up your kitchen and uh, firing up your steel. And what are you going to do for us today, Andres? What are you so gonna I was going to make
2: just a, a cheese pizza. I've got a dough sitting out. Um, I haven't been to the market as frequently, so I don't have a lot of fresh produce. Um, well,
1: I, I, any kind of pizza is fine with me because it's, you know, it's all oh, pizza is great. Uh, I, I think most people really want to see the steel in action Yeah, great. see how it. And maybe while we're while it's cooking, you can talk a little bit about how it, how it bakes differently than say a stone or okay, or great, great a advice. Yeah. yeah, So it's what do you got? So get get us going here?
2: Well, get so I've got. A, I'm gonna show you guys a quick close up of this dough here. Um, this is a this is like a five day dough. Um, wow. so it's been literally proofing, and almost by accident, I always have dough in my fridge. So you can see how like soft and supple because this dough has been literally just chilling out yeah the glutens are so relaxed now and i think that's one of the the real advantages of of um longer ferments is that the dough becomes so easy to stretch yeah and I think when people just touch that for the first time they're like oh my goodness like they think you're a genius you know <laughs> <laughs> you are um, a genius <laughs> yeah, right?
1: but, but but uh in, in this particular instance uh what what Kind of flour did you choose
2: to use for this dough so this is a um central milling flour it's their oh. high gluten organic flour um high mountain it's i think it's their equivalent to bread flour uh and well, yeah we, okay
1: so so but it's a high gluten flour it's not a double zero quote it's or not a double, a double zero style
2: okay you can see i don't know if you can see all these bubbles at this thing yeah has. it's like just from because because i haven't really done much with I like very you know very little initial mix. Um, and then I did a, a counter proof for about probably about twelve hours, and then a cold proof. And I got the cold proof from you, Peter. I remember yeah. reading your book about these cold fermentations. Um, was, for me, a
1: big breakthrough technique is using you know like long cold fermentation. Just, you know how much hydration do you use in your dough?
2: This is about a seventy percent hydration. Okay. Okay. Not, so it's
1: not outrageously sticky like a Chibata, nope. but it's soft
2: bubble. Nope. Not at all. It's um it's pretty easy to handle. Not not for a beginner, it's a little challenging, but they get used to it. Um but you can see, like I'm gonna pick this thing up, you can see the bubbles, but I'm gonna if you can see my hand, I don't know if you can even see my hand, but the gravity yeah. really does everything. I can bring the camera up. Gravity does everything. I'm just kind of working around the perimeter. Yeah. And you can see how much this thing's, and this is about a 250 gram ball. That's
1: that's exactly the way I shape my dough at home as well. Uh, yeah, using the probably.
2: back of my hands,
1: my thumbs only in the uh, you know at the edge, no no pulling or stretching. Which yeah. is not the way they do it at pizzerias. You know, we had nope. Chris Decker from Pizzeria Metro in Vegas uh, do a nice demo for us on how they stretch their doughs there. Oh, They're neat. using uh, definitely a firmer dough, and it's all done on the table by you know spinning it in that flour. Yeah, um, those guys uh, are masters, masterful
2: the yeah. way they do that. Um, but, but yeah. I like
1: that technique that you use because it doesn't uh, squeeze out all that those g- uh, gas pockets that are in there
2: yeah we've got like and it's natural like right like because I've got like bubbles kind of throughout this thing and some people if, if it's enormous I might pop it but like the smaller versions of these I love I think they add so much character to the dough um it just makes it more unique like a snowflake as as, and so you and so looks like you're getting ready to, to transfer it over to your peel yeah I've got this is about 10 inches right now uh-huh. Um, I'll talk about the peel. You obviously, most of your readers or listeners will know what these are. I just prefer wood yeah, um, when I'm launching because I think it helps with some of the moisture. I like to it's use. Funny the- how, how we as as uh, in say the home
1: baking community uh, have our hacks for things, and pizzerias they 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 have no problem using metal to do the load. But I find that uh, I can use metal great to pull it out, but
2: I love using wood to put it in. Same. And I use a combination of flour and semolina flour. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, just because I like that little texture. And yeah. the metaphor I use is that's my ball bearing right. on the dough, right? Because it's got to be loose. And when I place my dough on top of this, it needs to be loose like a hockey puck. So yeah. my ball bearing's got to work. And before I do sauce, before I do cheese, I got to make sure this thing's loose on there. And if it's not, then I'll just pick up that troubled area and, you know, dust a little flour underneath it just to kind of get it going again. But Great. anyway, that's kind of that's it. And I could, I could stretch this out bigger, but I like it to be a little puffy in, yeah. in places. Um, so I keep that, you know, relatively small. But um, I've got my, my, my baking steels. As you can see, the ovens here. Um, I've got a steel on a top rack, and I have a steel in the bottom rack. It's been preheating for one hour, maybe maybe an hour and a half. I just switched my oven over to broil. Uh, um, so this is an electric oven. It's on broil now. This oven might take – I'm going to bird dog it. It might take three or four minutes before that, that broiler kicks on. Uh-huh. At that point, I'm launching. So uh, you've, got a, you've got a
1: stone on top. Are you baking on the, the pizza on the bottom stone or the top stone? Top stone. So, cl- so it'll be under, under, the, broil- under the, the broiler, closer to the broiler. Yeah, I'm about uh, six inches away. Um, Will you have the broiler on or off when you put the uh, pizza in? On. Uh, you're going to bake it under the broiler. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so in other words, the, the, sto- the steel itself has absorbed enough residual heat to radiate back into the, into the under crust, yeah. and then you're going to
2: bake it uh, off with the top heat. Exactly right. All right. And that um, I like that extra heat on top just for the initial, like, oven spring, just for the first maybe 60 seconds, 90 Ah. seconds. And then I'll turn the broiler off. I see. I see. Okay. So you're going to give it a big blast right at the end. It'll get too dark. And you can see I'm topping. I don't know if you can see me topping my pizza here. Um, There you go. That's better. I can see it down. Yeah. I always like to say less is more. I'm sure I got this from your book too, Peter. But if we think we have too much on there, we probably do. (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) I I, 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 agree with you. I like to just kiss it with sauce, but not have it swimming.
2: Um, And I'm going to give this thing a little shake again. I'm still loose like a hockey puck. Yeah. It's a good sign. I like to, in fact, I'm going to work a little fast here. My boiler just kicked on. All right. I'm going to go with some oregano on top of the sauce. Yeah. Right, and what I have is I have some provolone slices right from the deli counter. Yeah, I'm going to cheese this thing up. Um, some some I, provolone. I, you,
1: I see you put the sauce down first, but since you have
2: sliced cheese, do you ever put the
1: cheese down first and put the sauce over? I could do
2: that too. I might, I might even add some more. Um, I've got a little fontina. I'm just going to add just to just to kind of add another little definitely cheese one, of my, one of my favorite cheeses. Right, it just melts so nicely. I love it. Love the flavor of it too. Yeah, I, I agree. And then um, I've got some palm reg I might use afterwards, but I'm just gonna do a little bit more sauce on a little here. More sauce, huh? I'm gonna give it a shake. And now, if you guys can watch my, I'm gonna move this oven. a little closer to the oven. My broiler's on, so my back of the peel goes to the back of my steel. I kind of just shake it off. Shake it off. Now uh, uh, uh,
1: you're, like, you're baking so close to the broiler that for some people this may be a scary proposition, but uh, you got a timer on it.
2: That's good. So I, don't forget. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm cooking the broiler, I'm using a timer. But um, oh, two minutes under the broiler. Two minutes. Because wow, two minutes I'm going to check this thing. Um, it's probably going to be, my broiler is still on, so it might even be faster than that. Um, you can
1: close check. your doors with your broiler. That when you close the doors, it doesn't ca- cause the broiler to cut out.
0: No, really. yeah. In my
1: oven. I've got an old GE. You know, like nineteen eighty-two oven. When I close the door, the broiler cuts itself off automatically.
2: A lot of them do that. Like so, you have to like learn the tricks. I always find like learn the tricks of your oven. Each oven, yeah. They all um, like my I have a gas one here, and the gas is nice because once that goes on, it just stays on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um. Electric are a little bit more finicky. They have some brains behind them. So, um, but you can see, like, we'll take a peek inside. I'll turn that up, light off. You can see the, see like, that, I don't think pizza in there, but it's it probably awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's time to get some color, but I want to keep the door closed. I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> uh, but after, after two minutes, I might rotate this a little bit just because... You know, the back of the oven is definitely a little warmer than the front of the oven. Just yeah. to kind of even it out a little bit. And we do this in pizza ovens too, right? And we're manipulating. Um, you have there's to. no oven that bakes perfectly the same in every zone. It's not going to happen,
1: right? No, I agree. So, in fact, everything you're doing, every step that you're taking is exactly the steps that I, that I teach when I do my pizza classes, uh, including yeah. that… That shaking and jiggling of the of the dough to make sure it's not sticking to your peel, because after all this hard work, the last thing you want is to go to the oven and not be able to get the pizza off this off the peel and into the oven.
2: We call it the unintentional calzone, right? All right, exactly. so that's two minutes. Let's let's take a peek. Um, all right, so you can see I'm, can oh, you my tilt, rack slide tilt out. The, tilt the camera. Yeah. There we go. There we go. My there rack goes. slide out, which is really nice. That's but nice. The top of this pizza actually is pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to turn the broiler off because I don't want any more top heat. Right. Now I want the bottom to catch up to the top. Gotcha. As you can see, it looks pretty awesome. So <laughs> I, pretty awesome.
1: That's only two minutes in. That's um, only two minutes what, in. When you preheated the oven, Andres, uh, what
2: was the temperature you used to preheat? Uh, I did it at <laughs> – this is a little hack that I do in my home oven. I preheated it at 450. So – and, and the reason is – is when I, um, when I go switch to broiler, the broiler is going to kick on faster because I've tricked the oven. If I preheated at 550, the broiler yeah. is not going to kick on.
1: I see, I see. So, so when, you, when you turn the broiler of off and go back to bake, do you go back to 550 then? Yeah, I went back to, I went back to 500. 500, okay. Yeah. So, so 500 450 was just so that the oven wasn't, uh, wasn't so hot that the broiler wouldn't come on. Exactly right, exactly, yeah. We learned, our ovens teach us things. John Arena always says you have to listen to your dough, but I think you have to also listen to your equipment too. Yeah, you
2: have to know your equipment really well. And these, these, by the way, are monogram ovens. They're beautiful. I really love them. That's Um, a great new series that they've come out with, yeah. Incredible. And so I've got, you know, so if I was doing multiple pizzas right now, I would have moved that pizza to the bottom steel and launched a new one on top. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, every two minutes, I'm kicking a pizza out, which is incredible fat. For home, that's fat. So I'm going to take you guys for one more trip up here. Yeah. This took about three minutes now, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with what's going on here. I don't know if you can see this.
1: There we go. It, we can see it now.
2: Yeah. yeah it's, we got it's, some it's nice free.
1: char. How's the undercrust looking? The bottom Start to brown, up a amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I might go what like – I myself, but I might go like 30 more seconds.
1: Okay, and that's about it. We remove
2: that out, and we're done. So that's a, like a four-minute pizza. Four minutes in the
1: oven.
2: Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. And when you make a pizza that fast, by the way, you're getting a sear on the outside of that crust, and inside, that's where the magic is, right? That airiness. Just well, what, I don't want to take your attention
1: off the oven because I want to get this out at the perfect time, but then when it comes out, I'd like to to explain to us a little bit of what was going on Conductively-wise, yeah, conductively totally. you know, in terms I of wish, the heat from um, the steel. I'm
2: going to pull this out right now, Peter. Okay. Quickly.
1: So really, you're baking it at about the same time as a, a lot of pizzerias. About a pizzeria Bianco is baking theirs at about three and a half to four minutes. And yeah. it, it's, yeah. not the, it's not the 60 to 90 second Neapolitan bake. It's no. it's, it's more the a neo-Neapolitan it's
2: the, bake. It's exactly. It's like, uh, because we can see underneath it's cooked beautifully. Yeah. Right, um, I can hold this thing up, so it's got some firmness to it. Um, I went a little heavier on the sauce, than, but I like that. I like that uh, sauciness. Um, yeah. That's that's Gus. You're from New England. New Englanders always love the love the sauce part. You know more than I, more than some, some others. But you can see this. I've got some color on top, which I like. Um, and then, but on the bottom, we're also cooked beautifully. So yeah. it's got some firmness yeah. to it. And again, this is what the steel does so well, is that, uh, I'll talk about it here, one, because I use the broiler, on getting the color on top, but then when I turn that broiler off, it gives the steel time to get, you know, fire back into that dough again and get that bottom cooked. Uh, and I could have even gone another 30 seconds on this one, but I really like this style where I've got these big, big air bubbles. You can see these bubbles here. Yeah, absolutely it's incredible. Um, if I slice
1: into this, do you put any? Uh, do you put any dry cheese on the top when it comes out? I
2: got. Yeah, good question. I almost forgot, but yeah. <laughs> see, it's ingrained in me. I love putting that on at the end. At the end, it's just a beautiful, and I, I might even throw a little, um, some basil on at the end too. You oh, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, some fresh basil. This thing is ready to take a picture for Instagram. There you go. Yeah, better get your shot now while we're well before you cut into it, and that way you can get you can get this interview out an in Instagram all in one shot. I'll Maybe. make. I have to make another pizza for it. But. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, but that's it. I might, you know, some people might put olive oil on top. I mean, whatever, if you feel like it. Um, it's it smells incredible. That basil so, and cheese. So I learned something uh, when you were
1: making this because I'm so used to baking the pizza without the broiler. I just eat my oven up to 550, okay. and just and, and it's usually about, in my home oven, about six-minute bake. In um, mm-hmm. and, and my oven at Johnson & Wales, where I can get the oven hotter than my home oven, I can get them out in about four and a half to five minutes, but you got yours out in about four, three and a half to four minutes, and the broiler trick, I think, is, is a new technique that a lot of, uh, well, I don't know the pizzerias are doing, but a lot of home cooks are doing it. And yeah. The broiler to... To really amp up the the heat, uh, especially. And then, but I've never seen anyone actually bake it under the broiler. I've always assumed you turn the broiler off and then just you know let yeah, it. Happen. you could
2: do that to get extra heat that way as well. But I've been, I use it for product If I go do a demo somewhere, um, usually it's for multiple people, so I'm making a lot of pizzas. I'll bring two steels. So after the first two minutes, I'm going to the bottom steel. Um, by the time I make my next pizza, that steel's already back up to temperature. So I'm literally kicking a pizza out every two minutes, which is yeah. unbelievably fast. Yeah. Home, yeah, in a home environment, that's pretty I'm cool. Sweating, needing a break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, well, feel free to cut into an apple a yeah. slice. We, we'll we'll vicariously enjoy it with you because we uh, certainly want to see you know what what it looks like inside while it's nice and hot and crisp. And yeah. then we and then what, then we can also talk a little bit about what what that steel did that say a stone doesn't do. Great. You hear that crunch yeah oh man i can see you're holding that knife because you wanted to make sure we heard that sound (laughs) i
2: I was pausing
1: i love the sound of crust
2: oh it doesn't get you know it's funny peter i've probably made you know thousands of pizzas in here and every one i make is just as exciting as that first one i just even this is incredible it's Um,
1: really interesting that you say that because you know john arena has been making pizzas for 55 years Brand Spangler about twenty five years, and they both said the exact same thing:
2: that it never gets old. It just doesn't get old. It's, it's mind blowing, in the smell, the aromas, and um, you can see that. I mean, the crust is just just amazing. Get, like, those bubbles in there. Oh my gosh! Can you um, hold
1: it even closer
2: to the camera so we can cool, really
1: yeah, see that yeah. structure? So yeah. you mean, that that bubble, of course, is a real blowout. But it, but it yeah. shows us how fully gelatinized those starches are because you got that shiny, gelatinous kind of glow from it. It's really good. That's a lot of that brings a lot of joy when you have that.
2: It does. You can see how it's holding itself up pretty well too. That could have cooked a little bit longer, but really, it's my kids would love this. Like I kind of make them for the kids because I know they'll have lunch. Um,
1: Do do your kids eat eat everything all the way out to the crust?
2: They do. Yeah, out
1: to, the, out to the clinician, and mm-hmm. and do you now? Here's here's the big big test. This is something we learned from one of our other uh, demonstrations. Is when you take your first bite, do you take the bite from the from the, the nose, or do you take it from the uh, from the, the bones?
2: I go from right here, right here, the nose. You, call you go it there it. first. Uh-huh. Yeah, nose. Go for mm. it. Mm. My
1: goodness. And of course, we all wish we could be there with you, but uh, <laughs> those who were watching, you know how to do it now. So just go ahead and do it. Uh, it's so good, Peter.
2: Yeah. Just crushed tomatoes, a little parm, a little oregano. So,
1: so I'm going to throw a few questions at you in terms of your technique. Uh, first, first, let's talk about the steel. So the steel baked it, probably when I, like when I baked it on a stone, it would always take at least a minute and a half to two minutes longer yes. than on the steel. The steel, everything happens faster. And, and what's going on thermodynamically that's making that happen?
2: So that's a great question. And what is happening is you know, if the stone and the steel are both at 500 degrees. You can't cheat the science, right? 500 is 500. What what happens when we open the door up and we place a room temperature dough on there, well, it's going to suck up some of the heat from the stone or steel. But what we're finding is that it sucks up more from the stone. The steel continually rebounds right back to, fi- right back to where it was. Super, like 20 times faster than stone. Oh, I see. That's, that's an enormous amount of time. Quick recovery, yeah really quick and that's why it works so well and that's why i've got i've got two steels in there because essentially i've got more someone had a funny comment they call it steel estate (laughs) in your oven yeah um but it's giving me more hot spots throughout my oven so if i'm doing multiples it's great Yeah,
1: and it's it's, of course it's holding heat in the oven when even when you open the door it's it's not good you're not going to lose it as as much
2: Everything's just better. And so it's amazing um, that, that all that heat. And again, 500 degrees for pizza is like, that's the thing. It's incredible. How, how
1: well are these selling now? I mean, how, like, can you estimate how many you've actually manufactured and shipped uh, to this point after being into, you're, you've been in the game, what, five, six years now? Uh, oh, probably, yeah. You know, commercially.
2: I so, mean, over, We've shipped over 100,000 units um, worldwide by now. Easy.
1: And, and how many are you selling uh, to the professional trade, to the restaurant trade?
2: I don't think it's a very high amount. I don't think I've that's...
1: seen them. I've seen them used in restaurants, and I've seen chefs tell me that they've lined their ovens with them. So. Yeah, see, I
2: don't get. I won't get a lot of that data. I mean, I, other than when I talk to these guys, but I know a lot of them are taking their traditional ovens and making them pizza ovens. Because the what I made here is a deck oven now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, turned it into a deck. So it and it cooks great at five or six hundred degrees. So we make a lot of that. So so
1: uh, uh, Brad, our, one of our producers, just told me that that he's got both a stone and a steel, and so he uses his stone as sort of an insulation tool huh. because, because uh, so that, so in other words, for those people who have stones and they're wondering, you know, do I have to like retire it? You know, there there certainly can be uses for it if you have the steel and you want to just add extra sort of the brick oven effect. Then why not use a, sto- a stone to help hold heat in? Because it's really yeah. isn't it really just essentially a thermal mass? Isn't that the That's key it. to the whole thing?
2: Even that even that temperature out. And Brad, by the way, make sure we connect after this so I can well have to replace that stone in there for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was the maybe that was his ulterior motive. Letting us know that. But, but actually, oh, <laughs> but I think but I think it's a good a good thing to know because people who have the stones and I still have my stone uh, after I replaced my broken one. I still have I still have my stone. So I. I keep it on hand, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. you never know. If, uh, since I have the, well, actually, I have two steels, so I can do like you did the, the double thing. But before I had the second steel, I would use the the stone Stones, as my yeah, second I level. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's it's one good use for it, but yeah, it's um, it's it's so, amazing. The difference. So you
1: you shipped at least a hundred thousand of these. Uh, how, how, is the business growing? And what are some of the spin-off products that you yeah, see? That's
2: great. out of this? So, yes, the business is growing um, slowly and methodically every year, you know, and, um, and that's thanks to you and the word of mouth and this uh, the whole vibe of, you know, social media. And we're really consistent about posting and educating on how we, you know, use our product. I, I'm really yeah. passionate about it. I teach classes in this, this space here once a week. That helps. Week. That's a big, um, a big plus, yeah. Yeah, it's a big, it's a, one of those things, scale the unscalable, right? We're, um, we're take 10 people in at a time and so yeah we are growing it's amazing we're growing at a at a, a really good pace it's manageable um but fun you know it's yeah. really challenged in building a brand really but it is now so are you now uh, full-time on this
1: on this company baking steel or are you still uh, working you know at uh, Stoughton steel
2: you know for oh. your dad so i spun off from my family business Um, on April of 2018 so baking steel is now its own entity the Uh good the better news is that my brother at Stoughton Steel makes all of our steels for us which is great it in the family (laughs) then we're still working hard Um, coming out with new products we have new you know our griddle is a newer version of what we do which is a top version of our steel and it's heavy and it's awesome so is the
1: griddle designed to be used on top of the stove, on, on a stovetop, as opposed to in the oven? Because I've used mine in the oven. Yep, they do both. Um, I use it for, for, for uh, 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 broiling steaks. Perfect. I get so those great grill marks and stuff. Yeah. Amazing.
2: yeah. So, yeah, yeah if it was in the oven or on top of the oven. Um, and we've got some different sizes that were coming out. And actually, a new size coming out soon. We've found a way to – you know, we cook our breads on here, Peter, um, which is awesome. Yeah, they can, you know one thing that about breads is funny. They can they can brown a little bit too early. You bake in like a baguette, so we made these. I made these baking steel bracelets. Oh, these are cool. You'd actually like. I'll send you some baking steel bracelets. So at the end of my bake, right, what I'll do is I'm going to lift the bread off the steel and place this under there for cooling. So I'm going to get some air underneath it still, so I'm still cooking my breads, but I'm not going to burn the bottoms. Interesting.
1: That's a great technique. Yeah, yeah, that's and a great idea.
2: It's made out of silicone, high-temp um, high silicone, so they can withstand, you know, four or 500 degrees. But my baguettes now that I can make, yeah. unbelievable, like incredible. Well, once again,
1: I think it really comes down, and this is where baking science and baking craft kind of come together, is understanding how thermal mass and thermal heat you know, works and how it it penetrates your product, and uh, and how to make your oven more efficient as well, because yeah. home ovens are notoriously not as efficient as commercial baking ovens to being able to hold that heat in.
2: Right, so no, that, that's incredible.
1: So this has been yeah, brought it all full super, circle.
2: Super. Do you great. see any other products in your future? We do actually. We have something coming out. I'm not sure of the timing. We have a couple. You know, with with what's going on in this on the planet right now, we're pausing obviously it's sad um with new stuff we're just trying to get you know the original stuff still out but um yeah we do have some new products coming out and more of this variations incremental improvements over what we have um but yeah we're always trying to innovate um trying to keep it you know listening to the feedback that we get is unbelievable the feedback and so grateful for it
1: well, you know, I think it's exciting. There's a, a whole spirit of entrepreneurship out there. We 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 talked with Mike from Mike's Hot Honey recently. Mm-hmm. You know, he's launched again. Same idea, taking that leap from you know sort of a hobby uh, of a product that he created to turning it into a business and running a business. It takes all your energy. It takes everything you got. It's uh, they used to tell me when I was in the when I opened my bakery. Uh, my baking mentor said, "Remember that." Uh, your bread is only 10% of your business. 90% is marketing and, you know, and dealing with solving problems. And, so uh, and I realized that, uh, you know, once you, you've got to have a great product to get the business going, but then you have to be also dedicated or have, or if you're not the one for that, then bring in a partner who's a business minded person because business takes, it never, it never, you can't go to sleep every night without solving problems. And, it's, uh, it's and
2: nonstop. It's, it's 24 seven. I've never worked more in my life, but, you know if you're really enjoying what you're doing i don't consider it work i'm super fortunate that i built this test kitchen slash barn five years ago i took a risk i took you know on that personally i paid for this thing yeah still paying for it but it um it it is turned into my home office which is invaluable these days to have some let me ask
1: you this if if people who are watching this are have are sitting on an idea of their own and they'd really like to they're considering you know what next steps might be would it be okay for them to write to you and just ask yeah, for of, uh,
2: real life advice from you yeah i'd love to, i love getting those types of questions and what should i do type of things and how can i can i give you help give you a little bit of confidence to take that at least that next step because You've got to take the next step, right? Well,
1: you've already and you've already written one book, right? You had the baking steel book. Are you still working with uh, with uh, who is it? Um, your chef, Chef Craig. Is he still yeah, working chef with? Yeah, Craig still
2: works with me. Yep, he's here every day. Well, not right now every day. We're more But, but uh,
1: so you've got a book. But I'm wondering if does that book also include some of this sort of uh life lesson advice or is, is that a next maybe the next book in that that's work? the
2: next book yeah, yeah this one's more food more pizza centric but um, yeah. yeah there's a lot of there's so much stuff as anybody who knows and like yourself who's entrepreneurial um, yeah. making the steels the easy part you know um, marketing is a 24/7 job just going out there and and you know the one thing I'll say the one piece of advice just be consistent be consistent with your own self take care of yourself like that's one thing that you cannot overlook. Be kind to yourself, and um, that'll translate into you know more, more everything. Just be kind. Be kind. Do to you yourself. have
1: employees now that work for you that are on your payroll? I do have employees. Yes. So I it's have, gone from being a one-man show to being. Oh yeah. A business
2: yeah, I've got a team, and you know I built this with on the backs of the 2009 recession. My my previous with my family business, and one thing I wanted. To, to build my business with something small, also mobile, right? I've got, and we're fortunate that we're able to operate in this environment successfully, and we're super grateful for that. Um, I don't have a lot of overhead, though, which is important. Right? Yes, well, you know, it's great, to, it's great to see that
1: you, what you did, in my mind, this is my sort of phrasing of it, you connected the dots from different threads of your life and came up with something that, uh, created a new product for the world that has really sort of, uh, uh, I don't know if this is the right word or, or too punished, but it galvanized, you know, yeah, the way yeah, people, sure. uh, you know, think about that, ba- uh, about cooking again. Yeah, uh, that's, so that's thank you so much for all of that, for your contribution, for your hard work and for uh, being an inspiration. And for those who do want to write to Andres, A-N-D-R-I-S at uh, bakingsteel.com. Is that the way to get to right. you? Yep, please. Or go to the website. That. Yeah. And, uh, and if you don't have one, you know, maybe it's time to start getting one. Yeah, uh,
2: well, okay. And, and uh, uh, do you also have instructional videos on YouTube that, where you show people We've got a YouTube channel with a lot of stuff on there. Um, obviously, a blog has got a lot of stuff on there. We're continuously posting on Instagram, Facebook, um, always content to help you learn. And we learn from you guys, too. Your feedback is amazing. Uh,
1: well, and- yeah, So so those of you who are using them, uh, you know, feel free to keep sending your feedback. Any thoughts, questions, uh, maybe suggestions. Uh, this, this is the exciting part. This is the legendary time of a business is when it's on, it's launching and early, and then uh, and then then uh, your grandchildren will have stories to hear from you later. On. <laughs> I hope. I hope. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Andres Lagen, thank you so much for being with us on Pizza Talk, uh, and for all that you're doing, and uh, and for making a beautiful pizza for us today, and showing how easy it can be done at home. Thanks.
2: Awesome. I'll devour this now. Thank you, Peter.
1: Pizza Quest is powered by SimpleCast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, Food Radio, supported by you. For our freshest content. Subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.